The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. Please turn in the precious word of God to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We have before us inspired history of the world and the results of that history in all the corruption, dysfunction, death, and eternal damnation of men. I read to you from verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Amen and amen to God's glorious word. Where did death come from? We know where death came from because the Bible tells us it came by one man's sin. And so we have verse 12, as by one man sin entered into the world. And from the 12th verse to the 19th verse, it's all about the one for the many. It's all about the one man, Adam, for his descendants dying. And it's all about the one man, Christ Jesus, and all of his that are in him living. As by one man, sin entered into the world. One man, one sin, sin came into the world. And death by sin. And so men die because of one man's singular offense. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And in those words, it's still the one for the many. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned in the one man, Adam. It's not their sins. Your sins don't even get into Romans 5 until you get to verse 20. But in verses 12 through 19, it's all about Adam's sin. Now I'd just like to mention two other things about this passage before we close the passage, since it has so many good things in it, and we will be referring to it later. It begins with wherefore. And that wherefore does make a connection back to what has been stated in verses 6 through 11 about the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ and our absolute necessity for it. Because we were without strength, we were enemies, and we needed uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to intervene for us. But the last verse of 6 through 11 is verse 11, and it's talking about the broken relationship that began with Adam. Adam and God had a good relationship. God looked at Adam and said, very good. And they walked in the cool of the evening, and they had fellowship together. And God brought the animals to Adam for him to name them. And whatever Adam called the animals, that was the name thereof. And there was a good relationship there, and God saw that Adam was kind of lonely, in the personal way, so he created a woman for him and all that, that you know. But notice verse 11. After all the wonderful things in verses 6 through 10 about our salvation in Jesus Christ, it then adds to it this P.S. And not only so, 
But we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And that's to put us at one again. Because God and Adam were one together. There wasn't sin separating them. But then Adam sinned, and that at-one relationship was broken. Wherefore, and then Paul goes on to describe how that relationship was broken by one man, Adam, bringing by one offense sin into the world and all the consequences of that. But then that brings us to the end of these three verses, where it says that Adam is the figure of him that was to come. Adam is the figure of him that was to come. And so the at-one relationship that Adam had with God, he ruined it, rebelliously ruined it, and we are born into a broken relationship with him, but Jesus Christ has restored it. And so the damage caused by one man's disobedience and sin, bringing death and condemnation, is offset, replaced, and exceeded by one man's righteousness and obedience for us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So it says at the end of verse 14, who is the figure, Adam, the first Adam, is the figure. We can still look at Adam and learn things from him because he is the figure of him that was to come. Well, Jesus Christ had already come and gone back to heaven when Paul wrote Romans 5. But we can look at Jesus and see how he saves men. I mean, we can look at Adam and see how Jesus saves men because Adam is the figure of him that was to come. And that one man for the many, and that doctrine of imputation, or that doctrine of federal headship, or original sin, or whatever you want to call it, has on its the other side of that coin the righteousness of Jesus Christ, who obeyed for us, died for us, and bore the curse for us, so that we are no longer cursed in the sight of God, and this universe will be delivered from the curse that was put upon it. So in these three verses. We start with the word wherefore, and it connects us to the atonement. Because one man broke up that relationship, and one man put us back together. And it ends with Adam being a figure of Jesus Christ. And we're here today as Bible Christians. So we don't want to just learn about Adam, the first Adam. We want to learn about the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have that introduced to us there in the final words of verse 14. This first sermon and this first service today, we will be considering the first Adam. But let's remember what we started out with right here, that that Adam is the figure. When we look at him, we can see how God deals by covenant of him that was to come. And Jesus was to come, but Jesus did come, so Jesus doesn't have to come anymore except the second time. And we look forward to that. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we thank thee, we praise thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that Adam was not the end for us. Adam is the figure of him that was to come for us. And we thank thee for the last Adam, we thank Thee for the second Adam. We thank Thee for Thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are able to see a covenant relationship with the first Adam. And we know about the covenant relationship with the second Adam. And we thank Thee and praise Thee that Thou hast chosen us in Your Son, Christ Jesus, before the world began. 
whom you foreordained to come and die for us. And you have prepared a kingdom for us from the foundation of the world. We thank thee for all these things. And we rest, we rest in thy covenant. And Heavenly Father, you know our situation. And you know my intentions. That I will not celebrate the Lord's Supper until I have a sufficient quorum here that would make it pleasing in thy sight. But though we have not lifted that cup last Lord's Day, we lift it in our hearts and in our minds and in these words, and we say this cup is the New Testament or the New Covenant in my blood. We thank thee for the blood of thy Son. We thank thee for his obedience and that both have been applied to our account. We thank thee that he suffered the curse for us Hanging on a tree, according to Moses' law, was to be cursed. We thank thee that he obeyed the law perfectly and fulfilled it, and it is applied to us. We thank thee that you took our sins and put on him who knew no sin, and took his righteousness and put on us who knew no righteousness. And we thank thee. O Lord, we bless thee this day. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the gift of the Holy Spirit which is a gift and a consequence of the great work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that by His mighty power and by His inspired scriptures, You will teach us this day. You will move us. You will persuade us. You will convict us, convert us, and cause us to be more fully committed to the cause of Thy dear Son. You have heard the prayers in the back room this morning. You have heard this prayer. We pray these mercies and blessings on all the churches of your people and sheep throughout the world. We pray the same for those scattered sheep that have no place to visit and attend with others. We pray for our beloved brethren at home at this hour that you would unite all of our hearts together in the heavenly Jerusalem with the spirits of just men made perfect and Jesus Christ, the Lord of our churches. Heavenly Father, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Purify us now. O Lord, wash us and make us clean. We repent, we confess, and we declare that we are foolish and wild. Lord, have mercy and forgive us. And you draw us closer to thee in this hour and grant us an effusion of your spirit that would cause us to desire, to desire and to live true holiness and righteousness by our new man. Help us to put off the old and to put on the new and bless everything that we do today. The singing, the praying, the preaching, the reading, the fellowship together, all of it will be for the benefit of our souls and the greater praise and glory of thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with those that are sick Strengthen them, Heavenly Father, and bring them back to us soon. Be with our dear brother in Virginia, burying his father this weekend. Let him as the oldest son in that family be a pillar of strength, of hope, of peace, and of the gospel truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we 
submit this service to Thee and ask You to bless us. We believe that You reign, and it causes us to tremble. And we know that You sitteth between the cherubims, and the earth should move. We are moved, and that is why we are here this morning. Draw nigh to us, Holy Father, and gather together Your children at Your knee, and teach us this day by the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of prophecy that we have in the Word of God, that we might remember those things that we believe and be established in them for the strengthening of our faith. May we go forth from this place to be true Christians in a lost generation, a crooked and perverse nation, that we might be faithful to Thee and Your dear children. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.